evening, everybody. What a great night. Uh, really feels good to be with you all here. The, um, so much I want to try to convey tonight, so I hope you're comfortable. Uh, the, uh, tonight in our gospel, Jesus, and I encourage you, I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I want to encourage you, uh, I was talking to a, um, a deacon yesterday, wonderful deacon, it wasn't Deacon Michael, uh, he's a total loser, but, um, <laughs> but a different deacon, and he was talking about wisdom, and we had a great conversation, and he said a lot of true things. Jesus tonight claims to be wisdom incarnate. But you'll miss that if you don't know the scripture. And the deacon I was talking to yesterday, again, he's, he's on his way to becoming a priest. He's going to be a great priest. Um, but he didn't read scripture deeply on this reading. Jesus said, I just encourage you, go home. Jesus, when he talks in his life, he assumes that you know the Old Testament. And if you and I don't know the Old Testament, we miss so much of what Christ is saying. When Jesus says tonight, um, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourselves and learn from me, for I am meek and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is quoting Sirach chapter 51. He's also making allusion to Sirach chapter 6, where wisdom herself speaks. Jesus is calling us to us tonight that you and I as Christian men and women, he is our wisdom. And wisdom brings rest and peace in our lives. And there's no shortcut to that. I have to encourage you to that. You will not find rest and peace in your life if you don't have the Word of God inside of you. We have to learn the Word of God. Okay, but I want to talk to you tonight about boundaries. So when I was growing up, so my, my dad... Uh, my dad, when he was in high school and college, was completely the life of the party. Probably did a lot of inappropriate things. Thank God I don't know about all of them. Um, but my dad had these two, his two best friends, uh, three really, but he had these three best friends from Chicago. And they were always showing up. And you know, when, when you're high school friends with people, you grow up, you're good friends, and sometimes your paths diverge. But they would show up at different parts of our life, of our family when we were growing up. And my dad's best friend, Pudney, he passed away uh, probably about five years ago. Uh, his other friend, Denny, is still back in Chicago, still living the dream. But then uh, one we haven't seen in a long time, when I was a little boy, we were growing up here in Colorado. And one day... One of my dad's old friends, Woodruff, just showed up at our house. And I was a little boy, and you're just kind of thinking, there's a scary guy who just showed up at our house. I don't know who this is, and his name is Woodruff. <laughs> right. Well, Woodruff stayed at our house, and uh, 
when I was a kid, I didn't see this too clearly, but I knew something was wrong. And as I grew up, I could look back at this incident and see what happened. Was Woodruff was supposed to be there for a couple days. But I ended up staying months with our family until my mom finally lost her cool and my dad was in big trouble. <laughs> and so, of course, my dad had to get pretty strong with Woodruff and tell him he couldn't stay at our house anymore. Boundaries are hard sometimes, aren't they? No. In 1927, there was a uh, little kind of chain of convenience stores that opened up in Texas. They were called the Totem Stores. And what this, it got its name because you, you're supposed to tote your groceries away. Uh, so that was 1927. It grew and grew and grew. And in 1946, it changed its name. And it sent shockwaves of this, the name change because of what it did all across America. In 1946, Totem Stores changed its name to 7-Eleven. And the reason it changed its name to 7-Eleven is because it was one of the first stores in the United States that would be open seven days a week and until 11 o'clock at night. I want to talk to you today about boundaries. We'll come back to you like, okay, what do these things have to do with each other? We, you and I have to have boundaries. Tonight's gospel, here's what it's all about. Tonight's gospel is about Sabbath. Go home tonight after Mass, before you go to bed. The, the New Testament and the Old as well, there were not chapter divisions in the Bible. The Catholic Church put those there so we could find things in the Bible. But Matthew did not put chapter divisions in his book, in his gospel. So in Matthew chapter 11, tonight where we're, at the, we're at the end of that chapter, and Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourselves and learn from me, for I am meek humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the end of chapter 11. The first two stories in chapter 12 are stories about Jesus and the Sabbath. And those things are meant to be read together. And so tonight what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about how Jesus is our rest. He is the new Sabbath. He is the one that can give rest to our souls. But you can't have that if you don't have boundaries. So you and I, right, we live in this world now, we all know it. We're busier than ever. We have more things going on, and in our country, you and I have stopped observing the Lord's Day. 
It's, it's seized. I mean, you might not know that, actually, because maybe you grew up in the world where that's just normal. Everything's open on Sundays. You don't work. You have the weekend. But other than that, everything goes on as normal. This is a sign that our civilization is no longer Christian. Christian civilization had this day called the Lord's Day. It is the new Sabbath. And just as Jesus, right, in John chapter 2, Jesus says there's a temple. He says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will rebuild it. But he spoke of the temple of his body. There's a new temple. There's also a new Sabbath. Because Jesus takes the Old Testament and he doesn't toss it out. He elevates and renews and transforms it into something brand new. And Sunday, brothers and sisters, is our Sabbath. And tonight I have good news for you. If you accept Jesus' teaching about the Lord's Day, you will find rest, you will find joy, and you will find a more fulfilling life. Christianity is not a moral code. It's not good advice. It's good news. And Sunday is the day where you and I are supposed to be made new. If you've been going to Lord's Long, you've maybe heard me talk a little bit about this. The first time in my life that I decided to put, to take Jesus' yoke on my shoulders, which means to accept his teaching, his wisdom, When I started doing that in my college years, I decided to listen to him as my Savior and my God about Sunday. And I decided that I would no longer do homework on Sundays. And I failed out of college. No, just kidding. (laughs) That's why I'm a priest. (laughs) No, I didn't fail out of college. I became a new man. And through seminary, so many of my my brothers who are amazing priests, they hadn't discovered this truth of the gospel yet. And so many of my brothers in seminary, they did all their homework on Sundays, right? Because remember this, when you're in school, you don't want to do homework on Friday night because you want to go out. And you don't want to do it on Saturday because you just want to rest. So you do it on the Lord's Day instead. And Sunday is the worst day of the week. Because you procrastinate and procrastinate and all the work that you haven't done and you have to do for Monday, you do it all Sunday night. And brothers and sisters, it should not be so among us. Sunday is the day where God wants to make you new. And when I stopped doing work on Sundays, Sunday became the best day of the week. I was filled with joy and peace order, and it didn't just stop on Sundays, it carried into the rest of my week. So 7-Eleven needs boundaries. (laughs) And for us, it's convenient. You know, we live in the modern world, and I've done it, I know you've done it too, like on a Sunday before, not today, but some days on Sunday, I'll finish the noon mass, and I'm hungry, and I haven't eaten yet, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go make a salad, I I'm just going to be lazy, and I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. And drive to Chick-fil-A, and it's closed. You're like, oh, curse you, Chick-fil-A. 
How dare you be closed on the Lord's day? Satisfy my hunger. Right? I need bread, breaded chicken and whatever that secret sauce is. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for on you and learn from me. For I am meek and humble of heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. The world, brothers and sisters, and here's the major point I want to make to you tonight. We think that Sunday, when we just live like everybody else, and we go shopping on Sundays, and everything's open, we think on Sundays that that makes us more free, and the truth of the matter is it owns us. It makes us less free. To find rest means this. We're so used to thinking that rest means something outside of me. Rest means I don't work, or it means I go skiing, or I go to the park, and this is rest. That is not what it means. Those things are good. We'll come back to that in just a second. Rest means for a human being... Real rest means that something inside of you is set right. If you have not read Joseph Pieper's book, Leisure, the Basis of Culture, you should read it. It's not an easy read, but it's one of the best books ever written. It's all about this. To be at rest does not mean that I don't have to do this or this or this. To be at rest means my soul is ordered the way it's supposed to be. Plato says it this way. Plato says that the difference between an animal and a human being is he says an animal is on all fours. He's thinking of four-legged animals. And all they do all day is they stare at the earth. And for Plato, part of what it means to be a human being is that you stand upright. And what it means to stand upright is that you can look into the heavens. Plato does not mean that merely physically, although it's a great thing to do if you haven't gone and looked at the stars in a long time. You'll feel more like a human being when you do. What Plato means by this, the heavens for him are a symbol of God's truth and beauty. And if all you and I ever do, if we spend our whole lives on Amazon and on Instagram, and we spend our whole lives thinking about what we're going to buy next and what our next task is. All we do is look at the ground. And you will not find rest and you will not find peace. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ wants to give you true rest. In the next section, right, we were talking about, it's Matthew 11, is tonight's gospel. In Matthew chapter 12, in the very next scene, Jesus is walking through a field on a Sabbath, and his disciples start to pick heads of wheat, and he gets into a fight with the Pharisees about it. And in that scene, Jesus says, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. Our Sabbath, the Lord's Day, Sunday, was not made, we were not made for the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day was made for us. Because God loves you. 
here's the truth. The world wants to say to us that you can find peace and happiness when your lawn's perfect. And you can find peace and happiness when you have that perfect vacation and when you have, you know, great time going up to Rocky Mountain National Park or as I used to joke, if, you, if you're like the other people in Denver, you don't have to come to church on Sundays. You can just go to Wash Park with all the other people who have washboard apps. And that's peace and that's happiness. It's a lie. God made you for eternity. Sunday does a couple of things for us. Sunday reminds us every Sunday when I don't work. And I don't work. People say, well, Father Brian, you kind of work. You say mass. And I'm like, well, I understand what you're saying. Saying mass is not what work for me. Coming to mass with you, brothers and sisters, on Sunday is the highlight of my week. I hope it is for you, too. I do not work on Sundays. I do not do frivolous shopping on Sundays. On Sunday, with what God gives to us, Sunday is the day that I remember that this world does not own me. God did not make me to answer emails. He did not make me to have the church run perfectly. He did not make me so that I would have a perfectly organized pantry. God made me for union with him. And if I don't practice Sabbath, I forget that. If you do not come to Mass on Sundays, reason number 8 billion that you have a Sunday obligation. If you do not create space in your life for God, the number one way we do that is by Sunday Mass. If you do not do that, you will forget that God made you for eternity and not for a nice house at Wash Park. Sundays increase our thirst for God. St. Augustine says right at the beginning of the Confessions, You have made us for yourselves, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. In the ancient world, there was no day off. Thank you, God. We have Saturdays and Sundays off. Saturdays because of the Jewish Sabbath, and Sundays because of the Lord's Day. We do not have those days off so we don't work. We have those days off so that we remember what we were created for. When I remember what I created for, I can look at the heavens. I don't have this burden on my back that makes me look at the earth all day long. I can stand upright, as Plato says, and I can be a human being. Finally, and I, I want to give you a little bit of practical advice on this. There's two extremes to this. One extreme is where people say, oh, it's great, it's the weekend, it's Sunday, I can do whatever I want to do. You're missing the point. Sunday is not for you, it's not a day for us just to go shopping, and it's not a day just for us to kind of be consumers. Sunday is a day to unite us with God. And I would encourage you 
If you're not doing that, you need to work on that. When our culture does not observe Sunday, it's a sign that Christian civilization is declining, as is happening right now. If there is something you don't have to buy on Sunday, then don't. Here's the other flip side, though. Someone in my life recently said, they don't go to Lourdes, but they were talking to me and they said, Father Brian, you know, my, my priest told me, I, she was like, I was out of groceries and I needed to go shopping on Sunday to get food for dinner. And he said, mm, probably not. We've got to know scripture. The Sabbath was not made, or man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. The whole, one of the reasons Jesus fights the Pharisees like crazy is because the Pharisees are so locked in minutia, they miss the whole point and they become rigid, harsh, and legalistic. That's a danger for people of faith. Brothers and sisters, you can do laundry on Sunday, it's okay. The father, and I would challenge you, if you, if you struggle with this, talk to me after Mass. The fathers of the church talk about this at great length. At great length. I can recommend some stuff for you that will change your mind on this. You can do laundry on Sunday. You can mow your lawn on Sunday. You can go to the grocery store on Sunday. You can go to a movie or a coffee shop. You can do those things. The purpose of the Lord's Day is to be united to Him. It is not about rigid legalism. It is not a sin if you go to the grocery store on Sunday. Sunday is meant to give you rest and peace. So I invite you to that tonight. And I think, and very honestly, I believe God invites you to that. Sunday is not just a day of, you know, going to the park might be that, which is great. Sunday is a day of union with Jesus Christ. Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you.